0: Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast for Wednesday, September 30th, 2020. I am John Podhorts, the editor of Commentary with me. As always, Executive Editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Senior Writer Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine.
1: Hi, John.
0: Associate Editor Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. So, uh, uh, the debate.
1: That was an enthusiastic introduction. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, let me just... So that. There's been a kind, of, there's a kind of general line, which is that it was a mess. It was a hot mess. It was an embarrassment to America and all of that. And uh, I, I'm sorry, but I think that's uh, both sides um, uh It was only – it wasn't a mess. It was a, it was a deliberate um, act of <coughs> destruction and self-destruction on the part of President Trump. I mean, that is uh, – it was a deliberate, deliberate act of uh, deconstruction, let's say, of, of a debate – uh, where rules are agreed to, and then basically he's like, "I'm not obeying any rules." Like uh, it's the game of tag war. Um, uh, Mark Harris came up with this in his book and the movie "Bang the Drum Slowly." Teg war is a game that baseball players play with uh, civilians who are excited to play with them to fleece money out of them, like professional baseball players. Teg war, they just sit there and they say, okay, well, I've got a three Z's. So then, you know, you give me $10 and Teg war is the exciting game without any rules. That's what Teg war is the acronym for. And basically Trump agreed to all these rules and then, and then then spent the entire evening refusing to abide by them. And uh, which was uh, on the one hand predictable. And on the other hand, unnerving in the extreme. And I, I, think that it was a calamity for him probably <laughs> in the aggregate uh, uh by the end even though many at many points he was saying things that i was happy to hear him saying even though there were many things that biden said that i was extraordinarily distressed to hear and we can get into the content but i just don't know that the content matters that much after what we watched last night
2: yeah i agree you know uh, we had been saying it in the run-up to it, or at least I had been saying and thinking that, you know, uh, Biden might be able to handle himself. But in, if Trump got under his skin, Biden would lose his cool um, and um, uh, get rattled and get um, sort of angry and flustered. Um, Trump spent the entire time angry and flustered. And trying
0: to get Biden angry right. and flustered. and and if anything, Biden's problem was a, was a deficit of, 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 of energy and enthusiasm, right? I mean, the yeah. thing that we thought that in the early going was that um, Trump was dominating so thoroughly that it wasn't going to tell well on Biden, but Biden was playing a longer game than Trump.
1: Well, and there's, okay, so I know that, you know, we, we mock appropriately the, the tendency, especially on left Twitter for commentators to say, you know, my child, while watching the debate, spontaneously began reciting the Federalist Papers and then wept for democracy. So I watched it with my 14 year old sons, and they had the reaction that I know a lot of people's uh, teenagers and young young people had, which is they were laughing, they couldn't believe, not laughing. I mean, it was kind of a cynical laughter, but it's like, they couldn't believe that these were the two adults in the room. Um and the, I, that was the the aggression on the part of Trump, even if he was trying to dominate the debate, also backfired because at the few times during the evening that he actually let Biden start meandering, you saw Biden. You, you saw the word salad that is everything that Biden says after a minute after 30 seconds. And that actually would have been far more damaging to Biden's campaign than bullying him. There was also I mean, we were chatting about this on the text, but there's such a physical Difference between the two men last night in terms of like the bu- the bullying bigger Trump, who looks like the aging heavyweight guy, and Biden, who looks quite frail at moments, actually. Um, so I didn't, those optics didn't help Trump because, again, it, it added to this idea that he was really overly belligerent and hostile at, in, in a setting where he shouldn't have been.
3: Noah? Yeah. And <laughs> just to emphasize that point, I mean, the the lack of any strate- strategy, strategic thought going into this thing was pretty evident in the part, apparent in many ways. One of which is the fact that he decided it was his time to dominate the debate. I don't think he can help himself but dominate whatever setting he is in. Even though it's his strategic imperative to make this race a referendum on his opponent, he seems to have no interest in doing so. Talked about the aggression and the and the you know contempt for the rules, which really frustrates people for whom style is the chief metric by which they're navigating this election. If you're an uncommitted voter or more accurately, a loosely committed voter, you're not ideological. You're not voting on policy. You really aren't. You you have policy preferences, but you like people and the people are going to decide this thing for you. And there was one person on that stage who was really obnoxious. And, I don't understand why the president was doing things like, as you say, Christine, stepping on Joe Biden. At one point, he was in the midst of talking down the pre-COVID economy, which everybody knows is a failure. And, and as Biden was was doing this, you could see the gears turning in his head where he sort of realized he stepped into a trap and the president rescued him from it right. for no apparent reason. Um he, uh, he, he does this thing that conservatives, I think, probably find really frustrating if you corner them and ask them honestly, where he references stories, but he can't tell stories. He talks about how, you know, he was, he was asked about violence in, in American urban centers, and he just sort of references events without making the case for why permissive democratic policies in these urban areas are responsible for that. In fact, it was Chris Wallace who made that case. When he cornered Joe Biden about Portland. You
0: know, I want to... And lastly, one, one yeah. last
3: point. His diatribe at the end, where he's seeking to preemptively discredit the election, has the stink of failure about it. it do... Everybody thinks it's terrifying and a terrifying assault on the foundations of democracy. It is an impotent threat, and it is one that reveals him to be a loser.
0: I think the point you just made about Chris Wallace is important. We can talk, I, I, I mean, who cares about Chris Wallace? Like there's the, all this, you know, everybody in the media is always obsessed with everybody else in the media and how the map moderator performed. Um, uh, Wallace had a, was in a thankless position uh, when one person doesn't uh, abide by the rules and he can't, you know, there's all this like, he should cut off his mic or he should t- call an end to the debate. Like this is, that's ridiculous. Like 90 million people are watching, And he's not, you know, he's not even a referee. He doesn't get to call, you know, blow whistles and stuff like that. And the more that he did it, the worse the debate got. So in that sense, I think he didn't do a great job. But the the interesting thing about it is, if anything, uh, even though Trump is now complaining about Wallace, Wallace's framing of a lot of the questions... Was relatively friendly to Trump, like he was pushing Biden on the most sensitive Biden points, particularly on urban violence. Did he? Why didn't he call the mayors and got you know Biden's easily worst moment was when Wallace said, "Why didn't you call the mayors and governors of these states and say do something about the violence?" And Biden said, you know, I'm a retired investor living on a pension, you know. Well,
1: and fun, earlier said he earlier, said, earlier, I'm yeah. the Democratic Party. I am right? the Democratic Party. <laughs> and
0: I don't go for all, and what he meant there was, I don't go for all this left-wing nonsense. Like, I'm the Democratic Party. Don't start throwing all of these left-wing policies at me because they're not my policies. Of course, then he wouldn't disavow various ones of them.
1: Antifa is an idea. He said, "Right, right. From, I mean, I mean, real there were some and court quarry, packing
3: and court packing, where he just right. completely refused to address the issue, and that was Harris. Too later in the in the cable news hits, where okay. she just, you know, we're just kind of hostage to events here.' So I you're never not really the Democratic I think, Party.
0: I I think again that they have a very very deliberate strategy that will either work or blow up in their faces, and who knows which is they are not going to let Trump." Make issues, at you know, like they're not going to answer Trump's attacks. Meaning, all these you know liberals are saying pack the court and you know and and end the filibuster and and increase the number of states so that you know because uh, Republicans have an unfair advantage. And Biden says, I Biden literally said last night, I'm not going there. I'm not going to let him. Or you, or Chris Wallace, make an issue out of this. I never said it. I don't. I. I'm not going to play on that turf. Now, Christine's been saying for for weeks that Biden can't hide from issues, but I, I don't know if he can't hide from issues because if Trump just shut his mouth and 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 forced Biden to keep saying. No 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 I refuse to answer that question because it's uncomfortable for me then maybe you'd get a little bit of that referendum on the challenger that is so important but he but he won't and Bi- the Biden people have figured this out about him the way scouts ba- I, I'm sorry to go back to baseball Noah because I know you hate it but the way a good baseball scout watches and watches watches and starts seeing the tells of pitchers when they when it's clear they're going to throw a curve, how they do this, how the signals work if they're not cheating. And and pitchers who are unhittable suddenly become hittable because they, they, they break down their games. And I think they broke down Trump's game. They knew he was going to behave this way. They had a ready answer. Biden had ready answers for everything in this one sense, which is if he had a question that he didn't like, particularly about his kids or something, he just said, that's not true. That's discredited. That's not true. That's discredited. That's not true. That's discredited. Even when it was true. <laughs> yeah. And mu- much of the time it was true. Yeah. And much of the time yeah. it wasn't discredited. No, but- that's, that's the biggest, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting no, you, but no, the biggest
3: please. problem, um, again, if, if it's a style over substance, and I think it is, Trump blows it. But Joe Biden was extraordinarily mendacious over the course of that debate. And they began to mount up to the point where it could not be ignored. He was evasive to a shameless degree, where he literally said, I will not answer that question. I don't recall a debate, a presidential debate, where the president or the candidate uh, said, I'm just not going to answer you.
2: You Not on a private issue.
3: It was uh, not on a private issue at all. And there were plenty of opportunities for for Trump, Um, the most glaring of which is the absolute time bomb that Joe Biden has strapped around his chest in the form of his vice presidential candidate um she had she was maladroit during the primaries and she put him in a terrible position by questioning the potential efficacy of a non-existent substance this vaccine which a medical miracle might produce in a time frame shorter than two to five years and she's she's casting doubt over its efficacy and if you thought that was a good strategic move go rewatch how joe biden flailed in his effort to respond to that thing and how how did he get out of it Donald Trump saved him, rescued him. Once again, he's in a terrible position, and Donald Trump cannot let the microphone. Stay out of his hands for more than fifteen seconds.
1: Well, and he should have. There, there were also moments where the Harris should have been brought up, particularly as we've been saying for months in this election, with such an old uh, person at the top of the ticket, about the fact that she still has on her. You know, she still she's she's publicly supported the bailout fund for protesters in Minneapolis, which bailed out real felons, like really violent people, rapists, and people accused of terrible things. That was a moment where Trump should have let Biden go on and on about how antifa is just an idea. He should have just pivoted and said, so why is your vice president bailing out people who only believe in an idea? Like, I mean, there were just these moments where he could have stepped in after Biden had had already shot himself in the foot. Um, but you're right no, He just he, he can't resist. And I think John's correct that they have they, they know it tells. Do you know what he pivoted to? Well, while Joe Biden was just drowning
3: during that question, he, he went to the Delaware state issue. Right. He said, "But you know, but you you forgot. You know, you you didn't go to Delaware State. What what did what is the name? What did your degree? What did you major in?"
1: So we oh, were We, oh, we yeah, were joking terrible. on the text thread that that we now have so much sympathy for all these. Well, I was. I have so much sympathy now for all those people who've had to feel Donald Trump's late night phone calls where he rants and raves about what he saw on Fox News because that was all of us last night, right? Like the weird digressions, the strange non sequiturs. That was the American people last night <laughs> listening to this debate.
0: I mean that was uh, one of the weirdest moments uh in American in modern American political history when he said you're not smart you said you went to a college and you didn't go there so don't ever use the word smart with me it's like uh what like what what, what is that about like what was that intended to do it was like it was like when he was outlining for himself the the ways he was going to try to get under Biden's skin, um, he just used all of them, a stereotim <laughs> over the course of the debate. And, you know, a, a, a more of somebody who is more um, in the moment, let's say, um, would change tactics when it became clear that. Biden wasn't really getting – I mean, Biden was rattled because what Trump was doing was rattling – it was literally like he was shaking, you know, uh, he was like shaking coins, you know, at a dog. Uh, You know, we were all the dog. You know, like it it was rattling, but he wasn't losing his cool, and when he did the stuff that was losing his cool, it was all preplanned. Right. I mean, when he said, will you shut up? That was that was deliberate. Like he had they they had figured out these three or four things he was going to say when Trump like went crazy. He was going to say, shut up. He was going to say, you know, you're a clown. And he was going to say, you're the worst president we've ever had. Um,
3: I don't you forgot racist, but I don't think that one was planned because it just no, kind of right. just, just flew out of his mouth. Right. Try to change the subject. I think it right. was you, John, and I'm not sure who uh, on our text shirt. somebody mentioned that he was, um, maybe he was doing a rope-a-dope, right? Um, but, I mean, that's not, I know a little bit about boxing, a true sport. Um, and the rope-a-dope is a feint, right? I mean, you have to give your opponent a whole lot of rope to, to hang right. himself with. Uh, and the president was just doing the, the equivalent of just a flurry of jabs, None of which were especially effective. A couple landed, though. I mean, he did have punches that landed. He made effective points, especially in the beginning of the debate. Um, First 20 minutes. He wasn't terrible, but uh, it didn't last.
0: Well, he wasn't terrible on substance at all. He was not terrible on substance. He's he's, he's extremely inconsistent on policy,
3: but he's not evasive.
0: No, he, he was, will answer you directly.
3: Was, and when I was watching this with my yeah. wife, and one of the things that she noticed that I don't think the you know policy and political obsessed observers did was the amount of times that Joe Biden was chastised for not answering the question. It got to a point where it was conspicuous. And that's something that people don't like. They don't like evasive people.
0: Um, My, so Abe, uh, if 80 million people watch this, Apparently 83 million people watched the first Hillary uh, Trump debate in 2016. If 80 million people watch this, um, it will be the most watched political event since that debate. Nobody watched the conventions, you know, 20 million people watch the conventions or something like that. Nobody watches, you know, people, 20 million people and then declining to like 12 million watch the democratic debates. No one watches Trump's speeches. This is, a, this is a potentially colossal moment. I mean, you know, even if 60 million people watch it, which would be a decline of like 25%, it still will be the most watched political event of this entire election season. And um, that means people are watching it who really aren't engaged in politics at all. I know it's very hard to put yourself in the mindset of somebody who isn't engaged in politics at all. Everybody who's listening to this is engaged. We're engaged. The world that we live in is engaged, but there are people who really aren't engaged. So almost like a drama critic, what do you what do you think they saw?
2: Well, I think there are two possibilities if for the viewer who's not engaged in politics. Um, One is that uh, they saw strong horse, weak horse, that they saw Trump as the dominating figure and Biden as the weak horse. And uh, in that sense, people tend to gravitate toward the strong horse. They want to support the strong horse and and discard the weak horse. Um, The other possibility, the one that feels like um, the more likely outcome to me is that um they saw this um absolutely off-putting personality in Trump this um reckless um disgraceful performance insulting rude uh, below the belt um uns- as John said rattling in a sensory sense right i mean if that if you are not political you are you're a, you are you are, he's merely Rattling your senses. it's an intrusion, um, a ceaseless intrusion. I don't see how on earth that could have helped him. you know I mean there there is this case just to move it slightly more into the the sort of informed voter realm. There is a, a I think a valid case for Trump generally and his and his um, style generally that he um, brings a sort of outsider, unorthodox perspective to things and that it can be refreshing and no nonsense and cut through a lot of garbage. That was not this. He didn't do that last night. He, he merely um, sort of raged in his cage and that is not the same thing.
3: I just want to dwell on that for a second. Cause I think that's such an intuitive uh, or, or insightful uh, point that you made Abe, about the intrusiveness of his performance. So you could like that is a, that is an effective post-mortem on the Trump presidency. His entire presidency has been an intrusion on your day-to-day life.
1: I will not be ignored. and should have been his.
3: Right. <laughs> campaign just daily, day, ubiquity. Unlike we've ever seen. I didn't think any a political presence could be more ubiquitous than Barack Obama. And we have achieved it somehow because it's just, and it's not just him, it's his opponents, but he contributes to it by being crazy and by driving everyone else crazy And it has just been an overwhelming experience with no escape.
1: And they, I mean, the interesting thing too was that last night it was very clear that they both hold each other personally, in cont- like, con- they think they're contemptuous of each other as individuals, right? Like they don't really like each other. That's been true of a lot of presidential debates, but you usually can witness the strain of the good disciplined politician trying to keep that way below the surface. I mean, I think Barack Obama had a lot of contempt for Hillary Clinton during their debates. I mean, it came out in little asides and kind of, you know, sharp remarks but in this case it Trump just puts it all out there and Biden did show those flashes of contempt but it, they were muted compared to the performance we saw on the other side i i think
0: that the uh, competitive nature of politics creates the the uh the uh, enmity dynamic uh, you know it's it, now we go back to your b- boxing you know you could see this like when Muhammad Ali was in the you know pregame in the weeks before he would he would box someone you could see you know in his uh per- performative pre-interviews and stuff like that him working himself up into a crazy lather about how horrible the person was whom he was going to fight and how he needed trash to crush talking, him and yeah. kill him no but no I mean in his own head the trash talking is a way of intimidating the other guy but he you could see it and then when the fight was over it was like it all exu- it all extruded from his body and he was calm and he was He had lost the aggression. It was all to work himself up into this state. And then when he had expiated it with the actual boxing match, it was out of his body. And I think Obama's very much like that. Bush was very much like that. This is what happens to them. And, you know, it's a very rare thing in the world. Like you have the entire world is watching you and how you handle yourself at any given moment can end your you know, deepest ambition to become a world historical figure through a mistake. I mean, the stakes, you cannot, the stakes are unimaginably high. And Trump, I think in classic in, 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 you know, so he works himself up into a, into a lather, but his lather is a different lather from most people's lather. He is, he is um, aggressive in a way that few human beings are aggressive. He is not ordinarily alpha male aggressive. He is not ordinarily sort of like competitive. I need to win at all costs aggressive. It's something else. It's protean. It is, it is, um, uh, you know, if in fact he decided to run for president in 2011, because Obama made fun of him at the white house correspondence dinner, um, That that's a mark of it. That's like a kind of revet. You know, he just like was like, I am going to kill all of you in this room. And I will, you know, if it takes me five years, I will do it and I will do it to you. And I'm going to do it to you. And that's not normal. It's not normal, even at this level. And Biden is many things but that's not what he... And he's also competitive. And of course he has contempt. He hates Trump. He hates him. He thinks he's disgusting. He doesn't like him. He doesn't like his... He doesn't like anything about him. But, you know, he's not that. So this is when I started by saying there's a little bit of both sidesism. Um, Biden is not the person responsible for this uh, being a hot mess, which is the term everybody was using. Biden would have been perfectly happy to have a different kind of debate, he was prepared for both. I to think. have a
1: Bernie-style debate, like the one he had with Sanders. That, yeah, that or or,
0: or even or even a sort of you know like Hillary and Obama, like where you know he's being treated with contempt. Whatever, he was not setting the terms, and that's where Trump's self-destructiveness comes in here. Because as no as Noah has Noah says. To make the rest of this race a referendum on the Challenger, Trump needs to not be the issue. Biden needs to be the issue. And by the way, that doesn't mean that Hunter Biden is the issue. I'm sorry. Hunter Biden is not the issue. Biden is the issue. And, you know, when he had those moments where he was pressing Biden on, let's say, the environment, uh, you know, on sort of energy or on or on urban violence and all of that. That's where Biden was a little bit rocked on his heel, or 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 Chris Wallace. But the debate was never about Biden, and that's exactly how Biden wants it. And there's this weird thing going on where all these liberals are saying there shouldn't be Biden should not agree to two more debates. What are you kidding me? one more debate like this and and biden could win by 15 points i mean i'm not i'm not kidding single
3: most out of touch thing i've ever seen the hive mind create in in real time it was how first of all as you say this was good for your candidate so why do you want less of this and two you want the the coda of the race to be the debate between harris and pence like, you, this is not a well thought out thing. This is just, you, you're just so emotional, which is also because Trump drives everybody crazy. They've been driven crazy. They allow themselves to not have a rational thought and just react emotionally. But, but this look, is, I, I think there's again, a but case. Again, like, yeah. if, if you surveyed the cable news landscape yesterday and this morning, there's no having a rational conversation about this. What you're supposed to do is engage in a hyperbole Olympics and talk about how the, the Republic itself has been irreparably tarnished by this spectacle, And we are all worse off for it. And it's a a symptom of American decline. And anything less than that is insufficient to the moment. And it is just obnoxious. You cannot have a rational conversation about what happened.
0: However, Christine, what about that point? Like, this was a horrible moment for, I don't know if it's a horrible moment for democracy. That's a dumb way to put it. It is a horrible, it, it, it horribly exposes qualities in american political culture and american culture that are frankly terrifying and i I, now i'm going to play the child game like it's terrifying to me that my children are going to attain their majority in this world in which all standards of um appropriate conduct are being shredded before their their eyes, and in that sense, maybe there is a case to be made that there shouldn't be any more debates, because they're just, they are. It's like um, airing
1: hardcore porn on network television. <laughs> well, two two things to that. One, one to to Noah's point, it, the one argument you could make for for Biden's team saying no more debates, or the or the sort of left punditocracy saying no debates, is that it would leave people with only this debate in their minds, and that's good for them because because Trump looks so crazy. But I actually think of it... So, you know, if you go to the dermatologist... and uh, So, I grew up in Florida. I have pale skin. You go to the dermatologist, they'll do this thing where they show you under UV light like all the sun damage you've had. It's horrifying. You're like, my God, I'm a ghoul. (laughs) It's terrible. In some ways, I felt like that was what the debate was showing America. We have all... Cable news is actually complicit in this, right? There's an entire way in which we saw ourselves and we're horrified by what we saw. That to me is actually long-term a good thing. And watching with my kids, I mean, I had the same reaction you did, John. I'm like, my God, this is embarrassing. I've I just had a conversation with one of my sons the other day about not interrupting people. But- here he is seeing the president do it live and like being chastised. But they took that as this is ridiculous. This is the best of the politicians of that generation that it that's produced. I mean, they they like I said, it was slightly cynical, but they don't follow political stuff that much. They just saw it as a spectacle. And the spectacle was embarrassing But it is showing us something that is true about ourselves that has nothing to do with partisanship. It's how we conduct our politics, and we can change that if we decide to. But there's something entertaining in it that keeps us doing it this way too. Well, I think Ah,
2: what's astounding to me is that uh, Joe Biden called the president, told the president of the United States to shut up, and called him a clown. And that wasn't what's that? And a racist. And that wasn't the obnoxious side right <laughs> that i mean that that is the very sad sad statement on this i mean because even even that alone it w- would be a horror in in the in the framework we're we're talking about you know
0: well yeah it's well, terrible but trump when- called him number 2 trump trump literally said that biden was duty in front that of reference to- The vice
3: presidency.
0: He's a number. uh, Yeah, of course, it was a double entendre, which gives you a sense of you know the level of his you know the the comic genius that people of the people who are trying to feed him you know uh, great lines. I mean, you know, Biden's number two, so he's number two. Surprised he didn't
1: make a duty reference either. (laughs) Well, he's got two more
0: debates to make a duty reference. Oh, it's
3: coming. Um, there's, but can I say another thing that I think the hive mind is, is getting wrong about this? Everybody's all worked up about the president refusing to denounce, uh, Proud Boys or saying maybe he kind of activated Proud Boys with this Proud Boys stand, stand back, stand by line. Um, to my ears, both these candidates rejected violence pretty explicitly. Uh, that moment seemed to me to be the president saying, you know, he said, literally, I'll say whatever you want me to say. And yes, he said, you know, that should be peaceful. And Joe Biden said, I reject violence. What neither of them did was alienate any of their supporters, even the most obnoxious and disgusting groups like white supremacists on Trump's side, like Antifa on Joe Biden's side. Neither of them did anything to distance themselves from these groups. Joe Biden dismissed Antifa as an idea as though that makes it less condemnable uh, because it's not an organization. According to FBI director, Chris Wray, it's somehow not condemnable, but, the, the, the terrible idea begets the organization, and Joe Biden doesn't seem to have any trouble de- denouncing other racist, violent, obnoxious ideas. So both of them determined to legitimize these fringes, which both parties have been determined to do for a very long time, unfortunately. But both of them did explicitly reject violence, and I just didn't hear what everybody else seems to have heard or what they worked themselves up into thinking they heard, which was some sort of a coded you know, activation of the, the Proud Boy sleeper cell.
0: Okay. I, 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 am, I am, strangely enough, I am in agreement with you that, you know, that I, I think that was a Trump word salad, but um, he has to own the fact that in the segment in which he was talking about respecting the results of the election, he said, I want you to go to the polls and watch. I want you to, I, I, I want my people to be ready to make sure that, you know, they don't steal the election. Now, that is very weird rhetoric because there is a process by which elections are watched and certified and all of that. And that is not that, you know, uh, some uh, uh, radio talk show listener (laughs) goes and stands in a polling place and stands there with his arms folded and watches people. First of all, you're not allowed to do that. He said something very bizarre about how people were thrown out of a polling place in philadelphia where people were doing early voting you are not legally allowed to stand in a polling place if you are not voting precisely to prevent there from being physical intimidation at the polls that is a response to behaviors in chicago and elsewhere in the 20s 30s and 40s when without question there was voter fraud of a very high order and elections were stolen or run or ballots were boxes were stuffed by, you know, uh, machine people and mobsters and and that kind of thing. Trump literally used that as an example of how the election was being stolen from him when it was his own people who were misbehaving and, and disobeying the rules. So um, he was in effect endorsing some weird kind of populist anti-Nomian posse to make sure that the election wasn't stolen after the election. Now, I'm not going to go with norm, Bra- I'm not going to go with, I'm not, whatever. That is disqualifying just as a matter of course, like that we have methods. There are recount methods. There are ballot watch. Every poll has poll watchers. Every State counting modality has – so, you know, there are processes that exist to deal with these problems. Now, could it be terrible? Yes. Could the mail-in voting create, you know, sort of like uh, uh, bottlenecks and things like that? Yes. Um, I don't know how that harms Trump exactly because if he's going to win – you know, if he thinks he's going to win, this whole notion that he he only doesn't win if they steal the election after the election um, is based on a a remarkable lack of faith in his ability to win the election, don't you think?
3: Yeah, it it makes him sound like a loser. And look, we talked about this when he mentioned, when he did this whole rant about repeatedly being coy about whether or not he'll accept the election results. He wants to have it both ways. He wants you to be a little anxious maybe trepidatious about the prospect that he could blow this whole thing up but he also then says very explicitly that he wants it to be peaceful and tells he tells his supporters who are more violent inclined towards violence to stand by back off so that's he wants to he wants it to be ambiguous so it's hard to blame anybody who sees ambiguity in the statement it's intentional and that's, and that's what, what i called.
0: mean when when we look at what he said about the proud boys uh you can't just dismiss it as well. Of course, he didn't mean it. I'm sorry, you just can't. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I thought all he had to say was, "Of course, I'm against. Of course, there should be no violence." I'm telling and you, he, he didn't say did allow oh, it to be peaceful. Those were the words he no. used. Then he said, "Stand back and stand by." Yeah. Now I don't know what that means. He did, that would, could have been just a word salad, but it doesn't sound like a word salad. It sounds like a soundbite. Yeah,
2: I- it's a rhyming soundbite. I-, I thought he got jammed up there because I think. Um, at the start of the question um, from Chris Wallace, it was: will, "Will you denounce white supremacists, Which I think Trump was was ready to do, and he said, "Okay, you want me to denounce? Okay, what 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 groups do you want me to denounce?" And then he didn't expect the specifically to be uh, called upon to denounce Proud Boys, which to him was more became a more complicated pr- proposition. So then he had to come up with this, you know, stand back, stand down, stand by.
1: Because remember, he he likes... He likes it when people like him. He right. likes it when people publicly praise him in the most excessive terms. And the Proud Boys do that. And the Proud Boys show up with guns and in in the name of like, you know, shot, keeping Antifa out of mischief. But they but he loves that. He can't. It's very difficult for him to actually say, you know, even though this group likes me, I don't like some of their tactics in the well, same way that it was difficult for Joe Biden, by the way, to say that about, you know, he, he bungled the Black Lives Matter. Quite, like, did anybody press Joe Biden on Black Lives Matter? No. Um, no, did he, did anyone? Chris Wallace presented critical race theory, which I think actually was a moment in the debate where Trump was very good describing why he had that executive order, even though he can't go into details because he doesn't really understand, you know, the the depth of the theory. But he was very good at explicating why he is doing this, and it was the question was phrased as if it's just diversity training, and that is not what this critical race theory project is. In the same way that Biden wasn't pressed. And Trump was missed the opportunity to press him when he equated equity with equality. Those are two very different concepts. And when he said, I believe there's systemic racism, but really with cops, it's just a few bad apples. Those are contradictory positions and nobody pressed him on that.
0: I I will say this, that that Biden um, came up with a formulation that uh, that that was cleverer than I anticipated, which is when uh, Trump's going law and order, law and order, and uh, Wallace asked something about law and order. and He said, I am for law and order and justice. Now that's nonsense, right? Because law is justice. So you don't, so it's a, it's a tautology uh, or, or is that the right word? I don't know. Anyway, law and order, it's a redundancy to say law and order and justice because law is justice. Therefore you don't need to say, but It was a way of saying, I'm for law and order, but I'm not going to let it be defined the way Trump defines it, which is, uh, you know, uh, cops, uh, first cops, last cops, always. Now, I think that's scummy, but I think it's smart. And again, it's very easy to look at Biden and say, you know, he he's not, you know, he's a he's he's an idiot, Uh, you know, he he, you know, he doesn't know how to talk or he doesn't have anything to say and all this. I continue to believe that this is a fantastically brilliant campaign and that what happened last night was in part an example of why this is a brilliant campaign. They, Whatever they were doing over the last two weeks with him, where he called all the lids and wasn't around, they were trying to make sure that he didn't go tit for tat for Trump, that he he didn't get his Irish up, as you might say, and be... Trump to Trump and that he was not to engage on issues ever and just say you'll, that's a lie whenever he didn't want to say anything or he's, what he's saying is not true or whatever. And, and, um, it looked bad in the first 15 minutes and by the, by the 90th minute, he in some fundamental way. Trump didn't land a glove on him. Now, he didn't run away with it. He it wasn't like a, a a massive victory because the whole thing was Trump fight Trump against Trump. But that's what I mean when I say people are underestimating this campaign that shows him, you know, six seven points ahead and then ahead in all the battleground states and now you know evidently like close to tide in georgia and places like that there's a reason this is happening there's a reason that he went from april 2019 with two bad weeks leading the democratic race by 10 and that he has been leading trump since september in head-to-head mashup matchups Almost, you know, consistently with, you know, maybe at the smallest a four point lead and at the largest 11, 12, 13 points in the poll averages. I He knows what he's doing and Trump doesn't
2: know what he's doing. Trump's massive failure here was that he took Biden's greatest liability, which is his cognitive lapses, off the table. That, that We're not talking about it. No one is. Right. And that was the thing going in that everyone was waiting to see if whether or not it would undo him.
3: And I always thought that was a mistake, though. He didn't. He's there are very few instances where he evinced that kind of problem on the debate stage. Um he's just he's just sharper in those in those exchanges than he is when he's on you know, when he's in front of a teleprompter in front of an audience. It's just he's it, it was a it was foolish to lower expectations like that.
0: but you know what? Biden wasn't sharp. I mean i I think as I say, I think he he pursued his strategy and did what he needed to do and got the result that he wanted. But I think Abe's right that left to his own devices in that setting with that set of circumstances and the way his voice sounds now and all of that the hoarseness and kind of the uh occasionally puzzled expressions that seem to cross his face right. not that if you had a camera on your on your face for 90 second 90 minutes you know you wouldn't look weird at various moments so i don't want to overestimate that but um you could have made a case that he, you know, he lost a lot of steps, particularly uh you know, given um the vitality that Trump showed. I mean, whatever Trump showed, it was vitality. Like he didn't seem like a 74-year-old, you know, guy who you know, needed a nap, right? So uh, um so I don't know that that uh played right. Biden couldn't have raised those questions couldn't have been raised. In in people's heads, but again, Trump didn't let that happen.
1: Well, and the and the frailty question combined with an unwillingness to answer direct policy issues that will he will have to determine if he does become president, like court packing and you know the the Green New Deal one also stuck with me. He said, "I don't believe in the Green New Deal." It's literally on his campaign's website that the Green New Deal provided the framework for his own energy policy. I mean, just blatantly lying, Um, but. Yeah, but if, what he went about describing was the Green New Deal. Exactly, exactly. So I think, but I think if, again... Well, like, not
0: really. Wait a minute. That's not true. That is not true. The Green New Deal calls for, like, you know... I mean, we, we've written extensively about the Green New Deal. He does not endorse... The Green New Deal by okay,
1: saying that so, something yeah, is okay. A, he's not.
0: He's not for renovating every freestanding structure in the country. Right. Just most
3: of
1: just them. so. I mean, I I wouldn't know well, on this. Well, maybe
3: it's sixty-five percent of the Green New he Deal.
1: He wants it both ways. He wants the he wants yes. to stay off his left flank while doing a little bit less, but it's still far more radical a policy prescription than he would have he himself as a candidate. You know, would have uh, right. proposed. Ten years ago, but which is fine, except that, again, like if he had the frailty plus the uh, the meandering um, off his game ability to discuss his own possible policy decisions would have been a pretty uh, disturbing uh, thing in a normal debate with a candidate who wasn't as, as bullying as Trump. But again, we haven't seen that. And all, and I, I think it's right that we've it took the cognitive stuff off the table and the lying's off the table, as John, I think you pointed out in our group text last night. Lying. Joe Biden lying is, is allowed given Trump's behavior, right? I mean, he can't, Trump can't complain about Joe Biden lying. We can, but Trump really can't at this point.
0: I mean, look, Biden is in, is in a sweet spot with the media in this sense, which is that the media are like uh, the, the, the cop uh, at the end of the Blues Brothers who says into the microphone, excessive violence in pursuit of the Blues Brothers has been approved. Biden can do or say anything now because Trump has laid the predicate for the notion that, I mean, toward Trump. I mean, by uh, Trump has laid the predicate that um, he respects no niceties and will say anything about anybody and be awful and horrible in every possible way. And therefore, he deserves to be gotten in any way that Biden wishes to get him. The permission structure, drink, that has been granted to Biden in the in the in the subsequent two debates. Should he choose to accept it, is uh, that he can say or do anything. Now, I don't think he's going to use it because I think the strategy is working. But what people were angry about in the commentariat was that Biden didn't go over and punch Trump in the face. That's what it was like. He, you know. They were sitting there watching him behave this way, and they wanted Biden or Chris Wallace as a surrogate. And look, he said shut up, right? I mean, it's not like he didn't say shut They wanted him to go over and put his hands around Trump's neck and throttle him until he was dead. That is how much they hate Trump. Noah, let's talk a little bit about the post-election, a uh, post-election, the post-debate uh, Insta commentary, because... I was switching between George Stephanopoulos on ABC and Jake Tapper on CNN and George said, I have to personally I've prepared people for debates. I've covered debates. I I've, I've, I have um, I have mo- uh, moderated debates presidential debates. This was the worst presidential debate I have ever seen and is a disgrace to this country. And then I changed channels and there's Jake Tapper and Jake Tapper says, I have to say this. this was the worst presidential debate. I have ever seen. And I didn't go to MSNBC, but I have no doubt that uh, every single person at the network standing in front of the Christmas tree sang a chorus of this was the worst presidential debate I've ever seen.
3: Uh, Yeah, generally that was the impression, and not more in sorrow either. It was angry. They were viscerally angry over the performance to which they were treated, which I understand, but it's hardly dispassionate. Um, I, I you know what? Hang on. I actually want to find this because I watched this four times to make sure I got the quote absolutely a hundred percent right. It was Wolf Blitzer. He was somebody threw to him. I think it was Jake. Jake threw to Wolf Blitzer. You, oh, no, it was Anderson Cooper. Throws to Anderson Cooper, or throws to Wolf Blitzer. You know, Wolf Blitzer pivots to the next topic or whatever. So he goes, you know, Anderson, the people who are watching this debate around the world, here on CNN, more than 200 countries and territories. Clearly, this debate was an embarrassment for the United States of America. It's just such a weird pivot, but it was one that, like, there was no, there was no transition there. It just was uh, throat clearing, something you needed to say as a punctuation mark. At the end of a sentence, because you know, just to demonstrate that you you hated this too, we all hated this. It was it was noxious and terrible, and it was. But again, the hyperbole to which we were treated. Um, my friend John Meacham, who I adore, who I think is a really uh, insightful commentator, a true historian, just you know, reaching for the most apocalyptic analogies you possibly can to demonstrate that this is a peerless episode of.
0: Uh, she said it was the worst the moment, the worst moment of the American presidency since Andrew Jackson. Right? Okay. Yes, can we I talk about right. the American presidency since Andrew Jackson? I can name <laughs> thirty moments that were worse. Okay, and How too- about Watergate? How about the internment of the yeah. Japanese the World
1: has SDR on his Twitter bio photo yeah. that was what struck yeah. me I'm like really We're really yeah. man? He put a thousand yeah. people
3: in jail for criticizing yeah. the government and how about the
1: Palmer uh, how about the
3: Palmer raids right, how about is, you know <laughs> I don't know uh, I mean that's the point it's it's it doesn't have to be accurate it has to be emotional it has to be resonant for the cable news audience and I find this so difficult a moment to navigate because that is just Doesn't do anything for me. It's performance, and yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to perform, then go ahead and perform. But like, it's not analysis. Oh, I don't think it was performance. I'm sorry.
0: I don't think it was. I think they met. I think this was a, this was a glimpse into the raw nature of the internal monologue of the American media
1: elite okay but that's sorry. but that they're all dr frankenstein in that sense they created this monster this is what brings in viewers this emotional appeal and it's like the the is now running around the village burning things and, and you know chasing after villagers and they're like oh my god it's a monster i i actually have a much more cynical view when they start doing that it's a it's it's kind of funny because you're like really gloria guys, this is the, called the president
3: gloria borger called the president monstrous he said his performance it's, was monstrous yeah. well and Jake, I mean, and Jake, 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 Jake Tapper, yeah.
0: yeah, Jake Tapper said his friend texted him to say that his six year old ran from the room sobbing. Um I mean, now, all of this can be true, but um the per- the permission structure here is uh, that uh, Trump has broken and violated so many norms that um that the media now have no norms either in relation to him and you're 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 absolutely right christine that um people sitting on a cnn panel when we know that jeff zucker not only created Trump by giving him The Apprentice in 2004, but, um, but spent 2015 and 2016 with the Trump rally just seconds away and tr- you know, Trump about to speak and all of that stuff and chortling, chortling in early 2016 about the amount of money that Trump was making for them. Yeah, so thanks a lot really great, great, great job. You know, this is like the, you know, this is like the, if you think that he's Hitler, that you are those weird German bankers who were investing in Hitler in 1931 to put pressure on, von, you know, to put pressure on the, on the Weimar regime. I mean, you know, c- congratulations to you. I mean, I don't think he's Hitler, but you think he's Hitler. So who are you? But that's exactly. why none of this will go
3: away. I mean, it's not like they, everybody wants deliverance from this moment, but they won't deliver us from anything. You know, Let's say Trump loses and he's no longer, you know, a, a threat as they define it in terms of the amount of power that he can access in government. It's not like they're going to let the show end. The show must go on and Donald Trump will be a participant in that effort.
0: Well, that is a very, that is a very, uh, although I think that it is, much easier for them to squash him down after he loses to put to create a cone of silence that causes him either to only go on fox or create his own network or go on Substack and sell you know a, a, a million dollar a year you know newsletter so he can brand himself through the rest of his presidency last last point uh, Chris Wallace brought up his taxes, and Trump said, "My family has lost millions and millions of dollars coming down here to help me." Uh, does who does that? Does is that a good? I don't know. I mean, uh, is that good? I don't know.
3: I, I I smiled when the president said he's 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 actually under leveraged because I just wonder. What voter that appeals to. We have, we, I really want to know what your debt structure is before I cast my ballot. No, but that's,
2: you know, that's the wounded ego that, 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 got the time yes. got a direct hit, you know, by, by, you know, you know, um, characterizing him as being so heavily in debt, you know.
0: But he said, he said, a, uh, I'm smart. Cause I pay no taxes, but I paid millions of dollars in taxes. So I didn't pay taxes and I did pay taxes. So therefore I'm I'm great at not paying taxes and I'm fantastic at paying taxes. This was an interesting that this is the John Roberts saying that obamacare was not a tax on page 12 and saying it is a tax on page 35 huh. like i'm sorry but you can't be both somebody who doesn't pay any taxes because you're a genius and pays taxes because you're just like everybody else you get, you get to pick one or or the other but again i don't know that anybody actually cares about the consistency of any of these arguments or any of these um any of the because uh, consistency is not what's going on here so in the ultimate question is uh if debates are about uh moments takeaway moments the images that you know will be re- repurposed on you know on social media for 3 3 weeks what were those takeaway moments what will people say 15 years from now if they say anything about the these, these th- that debate
2: well to, for me the takeaway moment and it was a, just a gruesome one was was Trump bringing up um Hunter Biden and his um, substance problems out of nowhere. I, that to me, that was the cringiest, worst sort of like you know, uh, that was the low point and the kind of the, the defining um, moment of Trump's performance.
1: I have to say that, and to add to that, he did it after he had a perfect opportunity to show uh, the dignity of the office of the president by saying you know, about Bo Biden, you know what? We might have our political differences, but everyone appreciates his service and is sorry for your loss. Like that's a moment where he really could have just been a human being, a decent human being who could still totally dislike Joe Biden. But uh, but but bringing the family into this stuff is really, even a, even though they're adults, I get it. But it, that, I agree with Abe, that was a bad moment. Although I will say, I think the takeaway won't be any specific line like, there you go again, or, you know, you're likable enough, Hillary. I think the takeaway is the temperamental um, reveal that this gave about Trump. Um, that worked for him in 2016, and just is not now. The belligerence and the and the bullying.
3: Noah, I agree. If um, if this is remembered in two weeks, much <laughs> less a generation from now, I will be surprised if it is remembered. It will be a general sentiment of among viewers who experienced the level of discomfort watching this thing that was excruciating. Um but I do I do think there will be a line that will uh that will uh last and it's um just shut up man because that That's, will be played over and over and over and over and yeah. over and over and over and over and over. And
0: In over which now. case Biden wins. Because the sound bite of the debate was will you shut up, man? Which will be the you know, Biden I mean, it's the message of his campaign. Right. And it, it is exactly. really the fundamental proposition of the Biden campaign. Yeah, yeah. it is. And I think for liberals Uh, in particular, who want to believe the worst of Trump, uh, it will be the uh, stand down and stand by. Uh, Again, because this is the problem with that line, which is if it was a word salad and he stumbled into it, that's not what it sounds like. It sounds written. So, uh, uh, and that's bad for uh for, for trump unless you believe by the way the country is so structurally racist and that uh what he needs to do is you know is uh is uh, stimulate tens of millions of, of 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 white racists to come out and vote for him uh then you don't want to repurpose that because it's just gonna it's just gonna you know get them get them to the polls um anyway so with that we will uh, bid you adieu till tomorrow for uh abe noah and christine i'm john Podhoritz. horitz keep the candle burning